0: All right, so this is Nick Delsandro in the parking lot of the Juniper Springs Recreation Park in the Ocala National Forest. It is 3.30 p.m. I pulled on to, I first pulled onto State Road 40 which runs from east to west in the Ocala National Forest around 11 o'clock um in aster city of aster and uh i haven't seen a bear i have about two more locations i'm gonna check but up to this point i have not seen a bear though i have tried
1: good morning everyone and welcome to wait five minutes the floridian podcast i'm nick d'alessandro What you just heard was some audio I recorded on my recent trip to the Ocala National Forest about an hour north of my hometown of Orlando. I went there on Tuesday in pursuit of one thing, black bears. That's what we're covering this week. The forest, the bears, and the people. That clip showcases the exact feeling I was dealing with that day. Disappointment. The forest was supposedly filled with bears, and I saw none. The Ocala National Forest covers a huge swath of land, 387,000 acres. It is the southernmost forest in the continental United States and the oldest national forest east of the Mississippi. Founded in 1908 and established by then-President Theodore Roosevelt, it was the first of Florida's now three national forests. The others are the Osceola National Forest and the Apalachicola National Forest. The Ocala National Forest is known for its continuous sand pine scrub forest which is the largest in the world as well as its four major natural springs. The forest also has the largest concentration of Florida black bears in central Florida. I approached the forest by way of Deland taking I-4 east. The main road I used was State Road 40 which runs east to west through the forest. I turned onto State Road 40 in Barberville. The intersection had a huge sign, just as you turn on the road, it reads Barberville Yard Art Emporium, and it is in the shape of the familiar trapezoidal signs that denote a national forest. Their website says that they opened in 1975 as a fruit stand, but have, quote, expanded to more, including several hundred high quality products. It is a barrage to the eyes in the best way possible, as you're greeted by massive metal, wood, plastic, and terracotta statues. Right up front is an upright bear, Next to him are statues of a pink zebra, a bronze Mustang, and a replica of the Atlas statue that's in front of Rockefeller Center in New York. Inside, they sell honey and boiled peanuts. Further back, you encounter sections dedicated to different mediums, as well as an entire aisle labeled Local Chainsaw Art. Next to the yard, filled with pots, statues, benches, and fountains, there is a large house. Hanging off of that building is a sign that reads, Come and Shop, in our house. There are more statues of bears sitting right out front, and as you pass through towns all around the outskirts of the forest, this is very common. I passed the Black Bear Pub on the west side of the forest, and there are paintings of bears on signs in the south of the forest. Umatilla, which is just south of the ONF, is home to the Florida Wildlife Festival, which will be celebrating its 19th celebration this upcoming October. As you enter the more wooded parts of the state road, there is a bear crossing sign. Under the silhouette of the animal, there is a warning. Next, 33 miles. Farms peppered the lands on the sides of the road with goats, horses, and cows in large fields and eight-foot-tall gray tents covering some sort of agricultural product. This large farm had a Putnam for Governor sign in front of it. Adam Putnam, you'll remember, is the state's commissioner of agriculture who just lost the bid for the Republican nomination for governor. There were many political signs flecked across the yards for school board and city council. One yard along the road had a huge sign that read, proud to be an American, honk for Trump. The most notable of the tourist attractions besides the wilderness recreation areas were at the restaurants. All of them seemed to be bent towards attracting tourists and not so much locals, with these big billboards as you approached the more populated areas. One sign on the side of the road was simply a 10-foot long gray arrow with the word restaurant scrawled on it. I took the sign's advice, and I turned off the road for lunch. Pineapple Sam's is a small cafe next to a minor body of water off of Mill Dam. There were two older couples eating lunch in the small cafe with me, dining silently, some eating the special of the day, which was an enchilada dish. I had a pineapple chicken sandwich that I devoured. While I ate, the women behind the counter discussed their experiences with alligators by the docks nearby. My waitress shared her personal woes with the couple at the table next to mine, and as she concluded, she added, everything happens for a reason. One door closes and another one opens. I hoped in my visit to learn something about the humans living in and around the forest. For some reason, I had hoped for some interesting detail, some anthropological discovery. Florida's people, however, do not yield many surprises. Outside of the urban and suburban areas, Florida is still very much the south. There are still strip malls, there are still tourist traps, and there are still huge docks with expensive boats at every bridge and river. The few people I spoke with were nothing but kind. Pineapple Sams was near Mill Dam Lake, which is a 168-acre recreation area in the middle of the forest. I stopped in briefly to check and see what I could find. There were two groups of visitors on the lake. One group of vacationing older folks drifting in the designated area on their floaties, and a pair of people resting in the reclined chairs, sunglasses on, feet in the water, silently tanning. One of the drifting folks said, we need someone on gator and bear watch. This was likely a response to the sign near the front of the area that read, bears are very active in this area. There were bear trash cans, bear doors, bear signs, all to protect the bears. And yet, no bears in sight. The Florida black bear is the only species of bear in Florida. Their population has been booming for the past 40 years, and the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission estimates that there are 4,030 bears statewide. They are herbivores, with most of their diet coming from plants, roughly 80%. 15% of their diet comes from insects, and only 5% come from meat, such as opossums or armadillos. When I told friends and family about searching for bears, they all had the same reaction, concern. Bears are dangerous, right? I wasn't nervous. I'm intimidated by deer because I find them to be troubling to look at. They have very upsetting, dark, scary eyes. But that's a story for another day. I'm not nervous about bears, nor alligators. I was taught at a young age that old adage of they're more afraid of you than you are of them, and I guess it stuck. I'm bigger than or equal in size to most bears, and I'm more excited to see one than anything. Plus, I read all the websites. They say a few things. Allow the bear a clear escape route make noise to scare them away don't make eye contact don't run away back away slowly and don't play dead they say that a lot don't play dead they add that quote if a bear feels threatened they may clack their teeth together moan blow huff or paw the ground unquote they're not inherently aggressive but in times of trouble they quote stare protrude their lower lip and flatten their ears unquote in times when a bear is about to attack many sources say that bears are silent in a way that will freak you out. They travel mostly on their own, unless they're a family of a mother and cubs. They're curious and they have sharp senses. They stand on their hind legs to see better and are fantastic climbers. To put it mildly, I adore Florida black bears. I've seen maybe two in my entire life, both in the same general area near Wecova Springs State Park, a small park near my hometown that I've spent countless hours kayaking and hiking. On Tuesday, I was determined to drive into every wooded road and hike on any minor trail if it brought me closer to a bear. My first stop was Lake George State Forest, a small wooded park outside of Ocala that had hiking and equestrian trails as well as a fishing dock along the St. Johns River. My drive deep into the woods led me to a small parking lot nestled next to a river. Two large boats were tied together and a man briefly appeared on the deck of the boat before disappearing below again. Other than that, there were no people in this small park. More importantly, there were no bears. The next location was the aforementioned Mill Dam which was a lovely but albeit disappointing trip into Bear Tory that yielded, again, no bears. I reached the end of State Road 40 and came back with my eyes set on one specific goal, Juniper Springs. It was the only area that cost money to enter and I was optimistic for what the visit would yield. At the front gate, I spoke to the ranger on duty. I asked her about bears in the area today. She told me that baby bears were starting to come out as summer ended. Hunting season in this area starts in mid-September, but it is not legal to hunt bears for right now, so these bears are not in any danger from that. In 2015, nearly 300 bears were killed in a hunt that many experts claim was completely unnecessary. In April 2017, the commission requested that experts create a bear management plan in the next two years in order to control bear population. One option considered for that is, of course, hunting. The ranger at Juniper Springs informed me that there were two bear sightings that day, one at the front gate, which I had just passed, and one at Fern Springs. Fern Springs, she told me, was a smaller spring in the park that was in walking distance by way of a small boardwalk pathway. Say no more. Fern Springs was my destination. I parked, grabbed a bottle of water, and marched into the park. There was a small collection of German tourists swimming in the cold spring waters. Next to the pool was a huge mill house that was churning water and a connected area. According to signs in the area, the mill house was completed in 1936 by a group called the Civilian Conservation Corps, or the Triple C. This was a work relief program during the Great Depression created by Franklin Roosevelt that gave jobs to unmarried and unemployed men. These men would work to help the environment in the country, and a sign in the house lists the following accomplishments. 3,470 fire towers erected. 89,000 miles of telephone lines installed, 126,000 miles of road and trails constructed, over 6 million erosion control dams built, and nearly 3 billion trees planted. The program also provided education opportunities, providing the men with night classes, another sign in the building cites that over 85,000 men learned to read and write for the first time. The mill house I was standing in provided electricity for the minor buildings in the campground area. The C existed for only nine years, but there I was standing next to one of their fingerprints in my state. Many list the Triple C as one of the most effective plans in FDR's New Deal. The crystal blue water from the spring fed into the small stream that ran along the boardwalk I was traversing. The wood beneath my feet was slick from the rain. The forest was surprisingly quiet. I'm familiar with the sounds of cicadas, frogs, and crickets in Florida's wetland environments, This, however, was peacefully still. The only real animal I could hear was a pair of crows chatting high above me. The trees were also delightfully mixed. Very Florida. There were certainly lots of trees indicative of deciduous forests with their tall trunks and falling trees, but mixed in between these trees were very tropical flora like palms and ferns. Eventually the boardwalk ended and I was at my destination, Fern Springs. This spring was closed from swimming or any human interaction, and signs labeled it as quote-unquote environmentally sensitive. The water was practically glowing with how blue it was. Under the clear water, the spring was bubbling, sending great clouds of sand up. Little fish wriggled their way through, and fallen trees accumulated algae on the floor. I stepped my way carefully around the spring and into surrounding campgrounds. I passed a small family approaching the spring, but they would returned to the main one, leaving me alone out here. As I stepped around, I peered at the ground. If I couldn't see a bear, maybe I could see a footprint of a bear, or a deer, or a bobcat, or something. Anything but more squirrels and birds. I spent far too long here, staring at the ground and hoping beyond hope to find some indication of a bear. I found none. I did, however, find two huge orange spiders with massive webs. One web extended across a large fern, and the other web literally crossed a river. It was the biggest spider web I have ever seen. I googled them, and it tells me that they were golden silk orb weavers. Along with my new spider friends, I saw a tiny black widow on a bush. They must have loved the humid wetlands, because spider webs were abundant along the small spring streams. I plodded out of the woods and returned to my car. Sheer disappointment overwhelming me, I decided to catalog my sentiments as I was getting in my car.
0: All right, so
1: this is Nick Delsandro in
0: the parking lot of the Juniper Springs Recreation Park in the Ocala National Forest. It is 3.30 p.m. I pulled onto, I first pulled onto State Road 40 which runs from east to west in the Ocala National Forest around 11 o'clock. Um, in Astor, city of Aster, and, uh, I haven't seen a bear. I have about two more locations I'm going to check, but up to this point, I have not seen a bear. Though I have tried.
1: I tried to visit the main ranger office in the forest, but I arrived a minute late, and they were closed for the day. Literally one minute late. So I went to my last resort, the road to the Big Scrub Campground. I'd been on this road briefly earlier. I drove on it for just 15 minutes before turning back. I turned around because, at an intersection, I found an abandoned camping tent and, to be honest, it scared me so much that I gunned it out of there. I called the police to report the tent and decided later that I wanted to see what was up and maybe I'll see a bear too. So I returned to the road. It was a dangerous road, made up of red clay and sand. The area is popular with off-highway vehicles with all terrain capability, and their tire tracks marked the roads, and little side paths were dedicated specifically to them. The road here was very hilly, and at one point you could see something resembling a rock quarry. The tire tracks cutting into the mud caused my car to veer an inch off every once in a while. To be perfectly honest, I was not driving a car equipped for this kind of terrain, but I was on a mission, and I was a little bit crazy. The mission had been a failure, but I thought, hey, let's have a fun little adventure and get lost in the woods. That'll be fun. I was about to reach the end of this leg of the road and turn around anyway. I reached the top of a big hill and was looking down a long incline. About a half a mile away, I saw a figure. It was low on four legs with dark fur. It was too big to be a bobcat and too short to be a deer. No doubt in my mind, that was a bear. I turned off my radio and I started driving incredibly slow. I arrived to the area where he'd been, but he was gone now. I reached the campground at the end of the road and turned around. I'd seen my bear for the day. On the drive back toward home, I slowly approached the area where the bear had been. Maybe I'd see a bear track or hear it huffing in the woods. In the mud, I saw something that looked like he had dragged himself along the mud, and when I stopped my car suddenly, it rocked on its base. In that instant, a huge crashing sound came from the woods as a creature with dark fur sprinted away from the road deeper into the woods it slammed through the bushes and i could pretty much only see glimpses of it through the foliage around
0: me i am on the trail i'm on a road That big scrub campground road and i i saw a bear a minute ago at the end of the road as I was coming down a hill and then I came up to the same area. Stopped the car. And I guess whatever way the car shook, it scared him. And he exploded away. I saw a glimpse as he ran, but I didn't see him. But he was there. (laughs) My heart is pounding. That was amazing. Keep looking. Remember
1: how I said that animals were more afraid of us than we were of them? In the Ocala National Forest, I think my bear friend and I were at equal levels of fear. We had both surprised the living hell out of each other. I kept driving back to the state road and in my rearview mirror, I saw him again, crossing the road this time. It was amazing. There he was, clear as day, half a mile away from me, just sniffing the ground. I was so happy. I should have quit while I was ahead because then I got very lost in the back roads trying to find him again, got lots of mud on my car and had a pretty awkward interaction with the truck who clearly was confused as to why this random tourist was driving aimlessly back here. I left quickly and drove home with a big smile on my face. I had done it, I saw my bear. You may see lots of stories about bear attacks, but the highest in a year in recent memory was 14. While their population is booming, many are concerned about them encroaching into urban areas. Florida Fish and Wildlife recommends following their steps for securing food, for avoiding conflicts, and for protecting the bears. Hearing all this, it strikes me as surprising, the lengths I had to go to in order to just see one single bear at a distance. This is a densely populated area for bears, and I was there all day by myself at several points, making zero noise in the middle of their habitat. I found my bear on a dirt road by myself. I appreciate, in retrospect, the mystery that came with finding the bear. If you want to see a manatee in Florida, you go to Silver Springs or Blue Springs. If you want to see an alligator in Florida, you go to Wakiva Springs. If you want to see a bear in Florida, who knows? Try Ocala, but you'll have to be lucky. I take comfort in knowing that they're out there, still, hiding behind the tree line, living and expanding their population, free from hunters, for now, climbing their trees and eating their berries. I appreciate the people who live so actively in these communities, and the signs that litter their businesses dedicated to the local mascot, show that weird Florida sensibility I love so dearly. We, in Florida, don't live near our environment. We live with our environment. I hope we learn to do more of that in the future. When the weather changes and cold air creeps into our peninsula, I plan on returning to the National Forest. Florida black bears don't fully hibernate, so maybe I'll catch my friend again, as we both appreciate Florida's ever-changing weather. If he hides from me, that's fine too. The black bears don't owe me anything. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing, or consider leaving a review on iTunes, or consider sharing with a friend. I think this is a pretty good one to share with a friend. It would mean a lot to me. If you have a question for me, or have a topic about Florida you want to learn more about, or if you have a city, or an area, or an animal you want to hear a story like this told, you can email me at wait5minutespodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Our theme song is Good Thoughts by Lobo Loco. In addition, I used Basic Banjo Man by Lobo Loco for additional songs. All the websites and articles used in the research can be found in the episode description below. Thank you for listening. Be good to yourselves, be good to each other, make September a good one, and drink more water.